Welcome to the Warm Down Podcast, episode four. It's me, Dave, and Rem for this episode. And I want to give you a breakdown of what's happened in the Champions League final between Man City and Chelsea, and also the Europa League final between Villarreal and Manchester United. And then we're going to look and discuss about the manager merry-go-round. It's been a very hectic week with all the managers chopping and changing. So we're going to delve into that a bit. And then we're going to have a discussion about the briefly about the, the playoff final, uh, the championship between Brentford and Swansea. And then to finish things off, um, a little bit more controversy, uh, discuss all the in merry-go-round between Fury, Joshua, and now it uh, looks like it's uh, Wilder, Fury 3. So we're going to dive into that towards the end. But the best place to start, Rem, is discuss the Champions League final between Man City and Chelsea. Chelsea coming out winners, winning the Champions League for the second time in their history. Um, what was your thoughts on the game? I thought Chelsea deserved to win. Um, obviously, the, there was a bit of talk once the lineups were named. Pep selection, the Santos play Gundogan in centre midfield, going with Sterling, no Cancelo, no Fernandinho or Rodri, obviously, in the midfield. Um, it seemed like he just wanted a different kind of reaction from the last time he played Chelsea, where they obviously got defeated at home. He just tried to be tactical. I think he tried to look at a different, try a different way. I think he's last year, if you look at Leon when they got knocked out. He kind of went against his principles a bit, changed his system, and, and he doesn't really do that. Um, Pep, he doesn't, he's not a real tactical kind of coach. He, he just finds tactical tweaks within his system to go out and beat the opposition. And um, I think that's what he tried to He tried to just approach the game with as much maybe aggression this time to make sure that they, they got the victory and just say, look, let's just go for it. I thought they were a little too forceful. I thought they should have been a, a, a little more patient because there was no gaps. They were trying to create gaps or find gaps that wasn't there. Chelsea on the night thought defended brilliantly from the first whistle to the end. There was two maybe slight. There was a folding opportunity in the first half, which was a world-class challenge from Rudiger. James dealt with um, yeah. Sterling on the left-hand side. Chilwell did well against Mares. Mahrez got in a couple of times, a couple of slip-ups from um, Chilwell, let Mahrez in, but they never got punished. The three centre-backs had no striker to deal with, no box player. Um, and obviously Havertz... Made it easy for them. Yeah, I, I think they did. I think they, they didn't play like normal City. They didn't bombard you, didn't get the wingers going, um, the overlaps going. They they struggled, man, and it's as poor as I've seen Man City play. Don't like to criticise them too much, yeah, I mean, do you think that you know, the the occasion kind of got to Pep? Obviously, it's the first final in the Champions League with Man City, and then obviously that's the kind of the final jigsaw piece for uh, for Pep and Man City. Do you think the occasion got got to him? And and obviously, Tuchel, you know, has that good record against him recently. Do you think that occasion and the whole history around Pep trying to get this Champions League kind of got to him? And in terms of his lineup and how he approached the game, um, I don't I don't think it got to him. I, I think maybe it got to the players. I've not seen Gundogan play as poorly. Um, Bernardo didn't really do much. Sterling was poor. He's not had a great season anyway. I think tweaks that he made didn't work, I think, obviously now in hindsight, but I think Foden playing where he played, I didn't like it. I've said it before, I said in the last episode, I like Foden out on the left. I think that's his best position. And if that means Sterling doesn't play, it means Sterling doesn't play. Um, 
So I, I think the occasion may have got to the players, the pressure of, as you said, the final piece. Do you know what I'm saying? But they came up against a Chelsea team that were just so organised and brilliant defensively. The goal that they scored, okay, you could say a bit of luck. Um, but yeah, on the, the whole, I don't Mount. think... Sorry? Yeah, the ball, the ball from Mount to Havertz for the goal. Got a bit of luck um, in terms of uh, ricocheting off the goalkeeper, but um, Mount's positioning to find to find Havertz in that space, to kind of split well, the defence and be able well, to... Well, it was Werner. It, it was Werner. Werner's movement was was causing the defense issues. They were they were panicking. They were panicking with his movement, with his pace and behind. And and let's just be honest. I think Tuchel tactically beat Pep, and I think that can happen. I think you can tactically beat him because he sets his team up relatively the same all the time. It's just whether you can find a way of of stopping them, man, or, or finding them on a poor day. So. Whether you want to say it was a poor performance from City or a brilliant dis- defensive display from Chelsea, which I want to give Chelsea the credit here, because I said I think Christensen then came came or Thiago who got injured and came off the first half. He slotted in nicely. He was brilliant. Rudiger was brilliant. Um, as I say, attackively, Werner got in a couple of positions first half, wasted them. The second one, the the shot that he actually got on target that, that he should have scored. And as I said, James as well. But no doubt, N'Golo Kante was special. It was as good a performance as I've seen of anyone. And in the biggest game, club game that you can have, he was just flawless. Just around the show. Um, Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, Kante for me, I mean, the last three performances in the Champions League, going back to Atletico, Real Madrid, and now each, every time he stepped up to the plate and he's the ultimate CDM for Chelsea. The way Tuchel wants to implement his team and structure it, Kante just plays that role so well. And I got to give, you know, I got to give props to really Lampard, really, to, to, you know, who kind of got the players in. Unfortunately, he couldn't do well with it, but he kind of got the kind of template in terms of the players. And Tuchel was able to identify the players that he felt were going to be good enough to, to potentially win this competition. They did, and Havertz, I think, for me, is coming on leaps and bounds. I think next season. We're starting to see him in that capacity where I feel for me he's going to be a big-time player for Chelsea. Mason Mount, again, you know, he's had a fantastic season. But I think Man City, for me, in my opinion, where they went wrong in this game is not playing a holding midfielder. They should have played a Rodri, should have played a Fernandinho. I just felt for me that Pep tried to do something different and it didn't work. And I think he was a bit sceptical of his own judgment considering the fact that the last two games they played, Tuchel has just outwitted him technically a lot better than Guardiola. And I couldn't see any point in that game where I felt Chelsea were uncomfortable, were on the ropes. They were structured very well. The back line was brilliant. Your your point about Frank before, um, what, what did you mean? What did you mean by that? I meant in terms of giving him a bit of credit in terms of the the players that he's, he, he bought into Chelsea. Kind of, um, I don't think he did a, a, a great job, but what I'm saying in terms of getting them to that ex- that point for when Tuchel took over to kind of getting them past the group stages. Obviously, I know he got sacked, but, you know, have not laying the foundation, but in terms of um, getting them to that stage where Tuchel came over and just took over and won. So in that respect, and I know that Thiago Silva in his interviews kind of paid homage uh, to, to Lampard, kind of giving him that opportunity. So that's why I thought I'd, okay. I'd mention it. But, I mean, it's all Tuchel really in that, in that respect, but I just felt for me that... Um, 
Tuchel, for me, knew how to structure this team and he got the right players. And it seems to me when he knows when to rotate players, um, especially bringing on, you know, Pulisic has that great opportunity, could have made it 2-0. Mm. But very cool, calm and collected. And there was no point in this game where I felt that they were under pressure. You know, Man City were off throughout the whole, throughout, throughout the whole game. There wasn't enough sustained attacks. Sterling, I don't understand why Sterling started. He hasn't been playing well. I think he should have took an opportunity, played the players that have been playing well. Again, I can't I can't fault Tuchel with the performances. And do you think that you know Kante now with all these performances and all these accolades that he's built up, especially this season, he has to be in the contention for the Ballon d'Or? One hundred percent. I think if France get to a decent stage of um, the Euros, let's say even semis, definitely the final. I, think, I don't see anyone else who can win it. When every year you look, we know how it is, let's just be honest. You look for an attacker to win it. Um, Messi obviously has won it for years. Ronaldo has won it for years. Modric, Mod- Modric won it. Really and, and Lewandowski won it last year. And, and, and he, he deserved to. There was no one else. But oh. if he won it this year for what winning the German League, for scoring as many goals... Yeah. As he did, I mean, I think can they win in the Champions League? And as I said, if if he gets to let's say the finals or the semi-finals, unless someone else absolutely tears up the Euros single-handedly, individually, you know, you've seen this before. R9 Ronaldo won the Ballon d'Or for basically just his performances at the World Cup. So it can be done. So if, if someone was to tear up the Euros, there is a possibility. Like, let's say Harry Kane. Let's just say it's a long shot, but let's say England managed to win it and Harry had a good tournament. I think it's a top five. Top five for, for this year, Kane. Um, I think Kante's done a bit. I think he's done a lot. The Champions League, I think the the, the way they progress in the Champions League and the performances put in, irrespective of the French, how France do and win that, I, I, I couldn't, I'd be a crime to see him not win it or at least be in the top three because I can't, off the top of my head, think of it, a player. Yeah, like you mentioned, Kane, that's going to be able to take that off him because I think the performances have helped Chelsea win the Champions League and, and get top four. So it's, it's going to be interesting. Well, the chances um, of I just want to touch upon something about... Sorry, let me just... Um, the, the chance of the German League. No, but the chance of him winning the Euros are virtually nil. You know what I mean? Next to none. Um, yeah. Where Kane can't win it really where people will say and, and it's a fair point because he was playing in the Europa League and got knocked out by Dynamo Zagreb so his, his performances in the Premier League but he didn't win the Premier League he didn't even finish in the top four didn't finish a runner-up you know what I mean D- didn't really finish in a respectable place his individual accolades it's an individual award at the end of the day but I think if, if he was to win the Euros then possibly but as I said, I would like to see Kante win it personally. And he doesn't even play for my team. I just he's a likable yeah. guy. I don't think anyone could hate him. He's just an, he just seems like an ordinary dude. Yeah. Like, um goes out there, plays out of his skin. Um the thing with Frank, Frank is maybe possibly, if I can remember, the only manager that hasn't really brought out great performances in Kante. Every other manager has yeah. done it. Um Frank deserves credit at the end of the day where he got Chelsea, he got Chelsea through two in the Champions League and he deserves credit for bringing in players like Mount, um, players like James who started the final. Um, so he deserves credit for that. 
But then you look on the other side, he ousted people like Christiansen, Rudiger, these, and all, almost tried to do it with Kane, to be honest, it seemed. Um, yeah. And two calls come in and basically given everybody in the squad a chance. He's played literally everybody. So respect to um, yeah. Tuchel on, on, on that. But yeah, sorry, do you have a question before? Yeah, I was just going to just touch upon the fact that you, um, Werner, I mean, what does it bode for Werner, you know, for next season in terms of can he be that that striker that he wants or do you feel Chelsea are going to look elsewhere? I think they're going to look elsewhere for numbers because I expect Tammy Abraham to leave. Giroud, is, I heard, yeah. is basically sewed up by AC Milan already. I, I do feel it's easy right now to criticise Werner because you look at the chances and you say, oh, he should score, it's terrible, it's awful, but... We know moving countries, sometimes it can just be a psychological thing and, and, and these guys don't perform to their best. Um, and he's missing sitters, let's be honest. And games that Chelsea could win comfortably or, or there's games where Chelsea maybe ain't winning or are tight and he can be the difference. His movement is brilliant. He's got pace. He's in the right positions. If he gets his shooting boots on next season, Chelsea will be up there battling for the title. That that's the slight thing yeah. missing, and you expect them to bring in another striker anyway. I'm hearing Lukaku and Haaland on yeah. their targets. If they bring someone like that to take pressure off Werner, to give him maybe realistic competition as well, and he's having more time to settle in, I do believe that he, he can come good. And I think people are just kind of jumping on him at the moment. But that's my view. What about yours? Yeah, I've, I think it's been a difficult season for him. And I think it kind of people need to remind remember that, you know, obviously the Bundesliga seems quite flawless. But, you know, you come to the Premier League, it's a whole different ball game. The physicality of the game, you know, the game comes thick and fast. And I think it's just adapting to that type of mentality in the Premier League. And I think he's had, he's had it tough. But I think these experiences that he's had playing in the Premier League and obviously playing in the Champions League, and he's got the right manager. And I have to give props to uh, Abramovich kind of identifying, bringing uh, Tuchel in at a time where, you know, Chelsea were on the ropes, kind of bringing a German manager in to kind of be like a home from home for players like Mm. Werner Havertz and the best out of guys like like Rudiger to kind of gel that that, that team together. So I can only see Werner getting better. I think a a good, you know, good Euros, a good um, pre-season. Look, I I think he could be key key for Chelsea. And if they can add another striker in, I, I do think maybe Lukaku would be the easier one out of the two. Harlem, because I think Harlem, I think that people are going to wait to the release clause next year to kind of activate it. Mm. Um, but if I think if they get Lukaku, get Werner kind of firing in all cylinders and Havertz as well, if he can live up to the reputation and his price tag, which I think he will do, I think they're going yeah. to run City very close to win the, winning the league. I still think it's between Man City and Chelsea. And with the significant advantage that Tuchel has now over Guardiola, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting to see how that how Chelsea do next season in comparison to um in comparison to City. But it's a bit disappointing with Pep Guardiola because obviously I felt in that game, you know, it's Aguero's last game. I thought he could have brought him on. Um, that was a game I feel you know a bit earlier, but you know, I mean, he still had a wonderful career. Um, but yeah, I think Pep's got a lot of thinking to do in terms of uh, next season. I think had City had won it, won the Champions League, I think you know the pressure's off. 
Pep a little bit, but again, you've got to, have to kind of question the, the mindset of Pep, you know, again, has to get these players ready, the, the mindset to try and win this. And I think Tuchel's now kind of taken the ease um, off, off his situation. You know, he's done wonders in such a short period of time. So it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, but, but do you but think to be honest, Pep can win a Champions League? Just first of all, on your point about um, Aguero and bringing him on and whatever, I, I was sitting at halftime and I was like, if they don't get a goal in this next 10 minutes from the start of the second half, Sterling needs to come off and Aguero needs to come on. Watching the game, I just thought, Chelsea have three centre-backs and they have no one to mark. They, they, the false nine is, 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 a, is a good thing and yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's stylish and whatever, but I think in a final like that, the way that game was going, just just bring a box striker on, someone who's going to get in between them defenders, cause them a bit of problems. Be there if if if, it, if they get anything into the box, anything can fall to him. Or, or do you know what I mean? I I, I just was screaming yeah. out for him to do that, and, and and he didn't. So as I said, well, it's a tough job being a manager because in hindsight, after the game, you're, if you don't go your way, you're going to get criticised. Um, and that comes with the job, but you can kind of look like you're doing the best to solve the maybe issues that you created yourself in your selection in, in, by making errors in your selection. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that was yeah. one where he could have said, okay, let me go for this now. And I think going for it, obviously De Bruyne are coming off, he brought on um, Jesus, and that messed, that maybe messed up the plans, but I don't think Aguero was going to come on anyway. Because... I mean, Jesus came on and he was playing out on the wing after. I, I was just confused, man. I, I, and he's done that a lot this season, Jesus. He's kind of not been up front. Um, so, yeah, with, with, with that, I was a bit confused. And can he win the Champions League with City? And obviously people are going to say with no Messi. Um, he can. Listen, they've got week in, week out, consistently, they're the best team in Europe. They are. Um, they are the benchmark. But I don't know if it's a psychological thing and the pressure when he has these games, especially in this competition, where he a little doubt comes into his mind and he tries to tweak things and they're just not working for him. He, as I said, he did it against Leon. I mean, some will say he didn't get the rubber green against us when we knocked them out a couple of years ago. And in this final, obviously, the talk was, whoa, like, this lineup, where's he going with this? You know what I'm saying? So, obviously, he can win it. Um, yeah. But the years the years are going, and, and I think it mounts even more pressure. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think Pep's, Pep's got the mentality. I think Pep's got the, you know, the, the players to do it. It's just getting over that hump. Um, and, you know, next season's next season. But, again, I've got to congratulate Chelsea for winning the Champions League. Um, but I'd like to move on to the Europa League um, final. It was a kind of an interesting game. Villarreal, United won one, uh, and then it went to penalties. And unfortunately for Man United, they lost 11-10 on penalties. Uh, it was a great penalty shootout, loads of goals, and um, David De Gea missed a penalty. Just wanted to get your thoughts around the game. You know, it was kind of a topsy-turvy game. Um, wasn't the best, wasn't pleasing on the eye, but what did you think um, about the, the Europa League final? Um, I, I just thought that Emery's plan worked. Um, he gave you no gaps. He gave you no spaces. And it was kind of, looking at it now, it was kind of weird because you look at the Champions League final and 
Chelsea kind of did some, something similar, but City were trying to force it too much. And I thought you lot were kind of just lumping it in the box certain times. I think your your width on that right-hand side is a problem. I think Wan-Bissaka is a, is a very good defender. He's not the greatest attacker. I think he's improving, but I still don't think he has that confidence yeah. um, to get to the byline, to deliver crosses in his own game and stuff. He always seems to question himself and checks back and plays it back inside or plays it backwards and I'm sure was being screamed at at one point by Oli to get forward um, and just go because you need that width and it just didn't happen for you. Uh, there was a number of, I've spoken to you before about consistency and Rashford that just don't think he's consistent enough. He, on a day, he can win a game. He's got the ability, he's got the talent, um, he's got the confidence, but when he has games like that, he just, repeatedly tries to do the same thing over and over again and my boy Foyf had him in his pocket Bruno couldn't get into the game I thought early on Backer was bullying your centre-backs not even anywhere near the Hayes goal but at the halfway line he was holding things up he was he, he was bullying them there turning them and laying it off and I just think that Villarreal were very structured came with their plan listen it's, it's not great to watch but it did seem like after you equalised they were like listen let's take this to penalties that's how it seemed um, and then obviously we got into extra time I was like what's going on with the subs like this guy's gone for 90 minutes and he's not made one sub and then the first sub that he does make which I guess it depends how you look at it, where some people will say, well, now Pogba's being put in the position where he's been best this season. Out on the left, and um, obviously Fred came off for Greenwood, so Fred sat alongside McTominay, who, by the way, was fantastic. Your best player, along with Cavani, probably. I don't know about about fantastic, but... Yeah, well, you're never going to think he's fantastic, but Cavani's work was was more known for his work rate than what he's actually known for more time being in the box. And I think that's the yeah. frustration. He was defending more than he was attacking. Um, and they didn't even attack half the time. So it was just weird. Um, yeah, as I said, the subs were just confusing. Time was going and going and going. Then he started to make subs where it looked like this guy wants penalties himself. So he got two managers wanting penalties. So we've got no hope of anything happening in it. Um, I mean, it's games like that where I can't stick up for Oli. I, I've stuck up for him. And the pressure of this game was like, oh, he's got to win this trophy. He's got to win this trophy. Well, it wasn't even that, obviously. I, I don't like to judge people on just one singular game. I get the importance of mm. a final. But it's how you perform in, 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 a, in the big match. How, what do you look like you're yeah. doing as a manager? What does your approach look like? And... He looked like he didn't have any approach. It was like he was just waiting for someone to do something or a bit of luck like he maybe got with your equaliser. Um, like a moment yeah. of brilliance. Yeah, and it wasn't that. It was never going to happen, to be honest. Um, no. And I, yeah, I, it was just very confusing. As I said, if he was to get sacked on the back of that, I would understand why, because it's crazy crazy um, decisions from the coach just 
no response, mm. just none. Where Emery made a response, I think it was his first sub, and everyone was like, what's going on? Even my brother like, said to me, like, when he's taken back off, I'm thinking, what, what's he doing? But tactically, he knew what he was doing. He, he brought on Coquelin, put Coquelin on the right-hand side to stop the guy that was giving you the most width. Stop our attack. We were sure. And Shaw was giving you the most width. Mm. Um, and he knew that that could start to cause you pro- them problems. And he, he tried to nullify it. And whether that worked like directly, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, it went to Panuza and they, they won the match. Yeah. I mean, I'm, as a Man United fan, I'm very disappointed the way the games ended up and the outcome. But first of all, I just want to start off by saying, well done to Unai Emery. It's redemption. I mean, he's, he's won the Europa League with Villarreal. Villarreal have now won their first um, trophy. And now they're in the Champions League next season. And for me personally, I, as a Man United fan, wanted to win this trophy for uh, just the fact that, you know, kind of to show that, you know, we can, we've won a trophy to show level of progress and, you know, to get that top seed in the Champions League so we get a favourable draw. That was my reasons for winning the Europa League. It's a competition I felt that we'd, you know, we shouldn't really be in, but you know, if we are in it, our objective is to win, win it. But then again, for me, I try to, you know, I try to give Oli Gunnar Solskjaer the benefit of the doubt as and, as and when. But this is inexcusable. This is a game where we should have won. It, it's just shown. It's shown his um, incapacities as a manager, his deficiencies as a manager. He's not good enough to manage Manchester United. This is a competition that Manchester United should be winning. No two ways about it. To have no subs in this, you know, at all until the 100th minute. And then when he does have a sub, he brings on Fred. Just underlines the mentality of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and highlights the problems that we have at this club are under him. All season, he's played the same set of players, run certain players to the ground. And he was shouting at Luke Shaw, the guy has nothing left. He's emptied the tank. All these players that he's played has emptied the tank. And there was an opportunity in this, you know, in the second half to bring on players like an Ahmad Diallo, someone who, someone's different. The game was running its course. Both te- there was opportunities to get to get get the goal and get the winner. But his mentality was to get to the get to get to the uh, the penalties and win it that way. We're Manchester United. We need to, you know, Alex Ferguson's in the in the you know in the stands. If he was in charge, he'd be making substitutions. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was primarily a sub under Alex Ferguson. Yeah, anyone would make a sub. You, you want to win the comp- You want to win the final. Make some substitutions. We have five, five opportunities to make substitutions. He failed to t- do it because he was relying on the same individuals to get them out. Get, get you know, get him out of jail. He ain't good enough. He needs. Right. He ain't good enough. He ain't got no tactical awareness or a, at all. And 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 look at it now. We haven't won anything. Again, I put this, I put this to you. Do you think um, him not making a sub was kind of a sign that the squad is weak, that he doesn't believe that he has players on the bench that are impact players. Because when I do break it down, I mean, you're saying Ahmed, and and I get it. Look, you're in a final, just do anything. Just do something. Just throw anyone on. Like, throw a defender up front or something. Do you know what I mean? Do something. Um, Mm, So I get why you're saying that, but like... You, you would hope 
Van der Beek come and make an impact, but he didn't bring him on. But does that show he doesn't believe at this stage he can come on and make an impact? Um, one matter, he brought him on. As I said, the subs were so late. It's like you have no faith in any mm. of these guys being able to come on and make an impact. Is the Man United squad generally, apart from the first, let's say, 13, 14 players, too weak? No, I've got to disagree with that. I, I put it down to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer being closed off and stubborn in terms of the players that he wants in his team. This is a squad. You have Man United have got a very decent squad. And I've seen you know him put out the second, second team in games against Wolves uh, and Leicester. And we look very competitive. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer this season has stuck to certain players who he believes that uh, are good enough. But this is a long season. He should be rotating. He should have been rotating these play these other fringe players at an earlier date. There's been games this season where his so-called favourites have been playing far too many games when it was not, when it's not necessary. When the game's done, I mean the Granada game, some of the FA Cup competition, uh, you know, yeah, you uh, have, games you have early when we got into the Europa League. Many, many a time that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had an opportunity to bed these second string players in, give them that momentum, and they can be match winners. I mean, Van der Beek, let's, let's, let's break it down with Van der Beek. Van der Beek, a couple of seasons ago, was terrorising the Champions League with that run with Ajax in the semi-finals. Yeah, I remember. They knocked out Real Madrid. They caused you lot problems, first and second leg. Yeah, and yeah. He can't so get in he the scored in the first leg. And he that played is, well, like. And, and after that game, he was the talk. He, Real Madrid wanted him. Every, everyone wants him. Everyone wanted him and still still shows. Now he can't get any game time because of Fred and McTominay. No disrespect to Fred and McTominay. Donny van der Beek is a cultured player, a very intelligent player. Not the quickest, but in terms of linking up well with the forward players, he's the key player. And I've seen that game against Wolves when he played. Him and Matic there, they dominated that game. It was the first time in the Man United shirt where I felt Donny van der Beek could play in that two pivot and he controlled it to take the game. And that's the type of player that we need, along with a very good CDM, because Fred and McTominay are good in games where the, the game is stretched, you know, to cover a lot of, of uh, you know, a lot of space and to protect the back line. But in terms of going forward and to win the games, they're not good enough. You know, if van der Beek was under any other manager, he would, never got, he would never get the level of treatment he's getting at, um, at Manchester United. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not good enough. A coach is supposed to use the squad that he's got. Tuchel has come in in January with the squad he's got and he's able to get them top four and win the Champions League. Is his squad That's better an elite level coach. Is his squad better than yours? His squad... I think when you look at the player for player, you, you can make an argument. But what the the the, 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 what the the thing I'm trying to make out of it is that he used the squad to the best of his ability. And there's players at Man United like an Alex Tellez. Shaw didn't need to play all the games. He's got European experience, pedigree. He used to play for Porto. He's a Brazilian international. He could have been rotated. Shaw didn't need to play that many games. Um, Van der Beek have made. Ahmed Diallo, you know, he's, he played in the Champions League earlier on this season with Atalanta. Came for £37 million. There was games this season where he could have played. And we, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, again, comes in the, the press conferences and says, oh he's, oh, he's been doing well in training. He's he's quality player. He's ready to make the, make the next step up to the to, to first team. Well, why don't you go and play him? Give him the opportunity. Other managers, Brendan Rodgers, like, like I told you before, 
he's blooding all these young players. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not doing any of that. And, you know, when people talk about progress under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, we're progress in the sense, yeah, we finished second and there's harmony in the, in the changing rooms. That's great. But if we're looking forward as a manager to go and win things, he's not the right manager for us. You're not making any substitutions. You're not showing any willingness to win games. This is an opportunity to, to get people like myself off your back to win this competition. And you're just going to show how inept you are as a manager. He's not good enough. And uh, so I, I, I generally do believe any other manager. So you believe even if he was to get back this summer, that he can't be a success at Old Trafford? No. I mean, would the, would the board want to trust Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with, a, with backing him? I mean, good players coming to Man United. Why would any player want to come to Man United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with the way he plays? And I have to, I have to now think about the management team, the coaching. You've got Michael Carrick, who's been a fantastic servant for Man United, playing that position, that midfield position. What, what's he doing? What's Mark Feeling doing? I mean, the defence as well. It's there to be. Why did Eric Bailly start? It should have been Twanzebi. Twanzebi deserved an opportunity. And like I said to you before, Twanzebi has, has had, a, this was a golden opportunity this season for him to come leaps and bounds. After that performance against PSG in the Champions League, where he had Mbappe in his back pocket, that was Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's opportunity to, to give this guy more game time. And he yeah, no, I agree. I there agree. was many times this season where, many times this season where certain players had, had the opportunity to play more game time and build momentum, but he hasn't done that. He's reverted back to, to players who he's relying on. And I'm looking outside, looking in, I'm thinking, why would a Rice, why would a Varane, why would any player of quality want to come to Manchester United? Especially when you see how it's run from top to bottom with the board and, and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, inept as a manager. He had, you know, there's so many opportunities, so many opportunities to make, make subs, try to win the game, and he didn't. And then he tried to kind of wait until the, to the you know, for penalties to win it. It's just that's not the mentality we need at Manchester United. He's just not good enough. And this is a golden opportunity to win the Europa League, and he failed. And Unai Emery saw him coming. He set his team up very organised and structured because he knew that Oli was not going to do anything. Oli was going to play a certain way. And I'm even now, Oli, after three years, I don't know what type of style he has. I think he's just relying on the Brunos, the Cavani's, the Rashford's to come good. But the problem is you keep playing the same players, the same team against any... You know, we've been playing against we've been playing against people like Villarreal all season. Yeah. Um, so I, I just got one more question on um, on on that game. Um, Emery, that's four Europa leagues now. Um, obviously, we know he came to the Premier League. Arsenal hired him. I, I I thought at the time Arsenal hired him to win them Europa League because I I believe I look at him. He is a cup manager. That, that's his reputation, his, his style as well. His, his suits to win cup competitions, grind his way through games, got a hard-working team, got players that are tidy on the ball at the same time. How how good do you rate Emery? Yeah, I mean, Emery for me, I've always thought he was a good manager. Um, especially in the cup competitions, he just knows how to set his players and his teams out, very organised, very structured and does enough to win the games. But I think it's a, a bit more special under Villarreal, especially he had this big opportunity at Arsenal. I think Arsenal, the way they treated him was disrespectful. 
I don't think he was given enough time to kind of implement what he wanted to. And it's a different league. And, you know, you know, you get scrutinised when you're not, when things are not going well. And the way the board and the, the, the fan base is at Arsenal, it's very difficult for any level of success. I know he had a period where he was winning, went 22 games unbeaten, but I don't think he had enough time. The board didn't really back him, but he's kind of got redemption with Villarreal to kind of remind people of how good of a, a manager he was. I mean, he was at PSG, he's won titles. This is a manager who knows how to win titles. He's an, he's, he is an elite manager. I think he's what he's done with Villarreal, you know, they finished seventh in the league to come and win the, win the, uh, the, uh, the Europa League and get into the Champions League underlines how much of a good manager he is. And I do believe he will get a big job on the back of this. Um, I think he'll stay with Villarreal and Champions League run. But I think clubs will start looking at Emery again and re be reminded of what a good manager, a tactician he is. Because he was masterclass, really. Yeah, um, it's impressive. It's impressive what he's done. Um, I'll say got his team organised. It didn't work at Arsenal for whatever reason. I remember at the time speaking to P and he was saying that he just doesn't know what he's trying to do, similar to what you're saying with um, Oli. And I think that can happen when the players just don't understand you. Not not where he's la the language barrier so much. I just think the way he was trying to put across his ideas, are just that group of players, for whatever reason, just maybe because they didn't like him or whatever, they just couldn't respond to what he was trying to do. And when it just takes two, three, four, can take just one, <laughs> do you know what I mean? player to not yeah. be on board or, or, or to understand what their job is or and the whole thing breaks down and I think it was more of that at Arsenal than him just being a shit coach because he isn't he, he, he isn't a, a no, shit no, manager you know what I mean he was disrespected I think at Arsenal not just by the fans we know what the fans are like but the players as well some of the things yeah. that were coming up from the players were just a bit ridiculous to be honest but I was happy Kapuwe to see Kapuwe in fourth, even though, listen, the list of Spurs players that winning trophies since leaving us or, or, or not playing for us is ridiculous. And it's going up. You know what I mean? I, to be honest, I don't think anyone deserved to win that game. But at the end of the day, they, they took it to the lottery and, and they won. Um, yeah, I, I agree. But I think now it's kind of highlighted the problem with United now because a lot of pressure on Oli now. Because what's going to happen, like I mentioned to you before, is teams are going to be improving. You've already seen with Liverpool, they're making signings. You're looking at Man City, they're strong. Chelsea are strong. With Tuchel coming in, is coming in and doing what he's done. That's put added more pressure. And if the board had any sense, you're looking at this and you're thinking, well, if if Abramovich can kind of make a decision halfway through the season and it paid off, and he's doing all of this thing, it puts pressure on Man United because now we're thinking, how are we going to be able to compete and bridge the gap because these three teams are going to come come back strong next season and going to be able to have a squad to be able to challenge for the title and we're still stuck in a position well I think that second place for me was a false position because teams below 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 us weren't good enough and we know next now we've seen from the Champions League probably the two best teams in the Premier League and in Europe play the levels are going to be a lot better Chelsea for me are going to get a lot more stronger than what they are if they get the right players and identify the right players. And under Tuchel, they've got a manager for me who is capable. And when I think of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, is he capable of winning a trophy, let alone getting Manchester United to be in contention of winning the Premier League? No. I think the board now have to reevaluate and think. Yeah. It'd be interesting, man. Yeah, but there's been a lot of managerial merry-go-rounds 
on the back of the, obviously the Champions League, especially with um, a lot of rumours coming out of um, Tottenham, potentially with po- Pochettino, potentially leaving PSG, could be reunited with uh, back with Tottenham, have Levy and Pochettino reconciled. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I think you know my thoughts on that. I, I, I didn't want to get too happy because I was when I first heard it, I was like, this is just stupid rumours just being put out there. Um, and then slowly, slowly, the news started to get a bit more bigger and started to spread around and everyone was kind of reporting it now and saying that he's not happy at PSG and stuff. Um, him and Levy are cool. He said it in the past that him and Levy are friends. Um, Levy has said in the past, whether you believe it or not, that that decision was the hardest decision for him to do personally and because he liked Mauricio. Um, people are going to have the different views. I... I personally didn't think he should have gone anyway. Is it too soon? Maybe it's too soon. But we're looking for a manager now. If he's not happy, some of them, play, and he's going to get the chance to do the rebuild with some of them players. As long as he gets that opportunity, um, and as long as as long as he's given that opportunity and he wants to come, I, I think it, I think it will happen. We'll have to pay the money, but I, I think mm. Levy knows that. I think he, he wants Pochettino back badly. So I, I think he will pay the money, but the final decision is going to come now to Poch. Um, yeah, so we'll see what's happened. There's so much coming out each day and now the contract extension that being triggered apparently because of them finishing in the Champions League places. He's been contracts automatically extended. Does that really make a difference? No. I just think it means more money that PSG can ask for. Obviously, there's the Real Madrid angle because, as you said, the merry-go-round with Zidane leaving Real Madrid. That job is now available, but there's also Conte available as well, who left in the Milan after winning the league. So he's he, he's got a very good reputation at the moment. He's hot. I'm hearing that Conte wants to come. Yeah. I don't know if it's just particularly Tottenham or he wants to come to the Premier League. I don't know if you, your club is going to attack. I, I think he would suit you a lot, personally. I think he would suit PSG if Poch was yeah, to come back to Spurs. Um, his counter-attacking style with with um, Mbappe up front, I, I think he could do do well there. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. As I said, I don't want to get too gassed. I don't want to get too happy. I, as I said, mm. as a person, I think he's great, Pochettino. He's, I still call him my manager. Um. And yeah, and I, I would love him back, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, just on the back of that, um, I was going to ask you about, um, obviously, Levy's uh, agenda about potentially targeting Pochettino because with everything that's gone on this season, obviously with the how poor Tottenham have been, obviously the European Super League, and obviously potentially Kane leaving, or the rumours out there, do you think reigniting back with Pochettino can kind of almost persuade Kane to stay or maybe kind of bring back Tottenham where they sh- should be, considering where they have been the last couple of seasons prior to when Poch was in charge? Can it make Harry stay? No. It's not going to make him sign a contract. It's not going to make him say, OK, I'll stay another year, even if Man City did bid 100 No. If, if Man City bid over 100 million, he hears about it, he is going to ask Tottenham to go, whether Pochettino is there or not. I, that, that's just how I look at it. I don't think that's going to change his mind. Would Pochettino 
coming back help leave you mend things with the fans? Yeah, because it was the best relationship that there's ever been between a manager mm. and fans at Tottenham. Harry Redknapp was one that was loved as well. Martin Joe was loved as well. Obviously, his, his guys usually that, that, all right, maybe not success because trophies, none of them won trophies, but you could see what they were doing. They, 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 the team was good to watch. There was a connection between the manager, the players and the fans. And that's what you want. And I think that's his way of doing that is getting Pochettino back and holding up that he made him an error. He made a mistake. He took a gamble, a gamble that I thought he shouldn't have took, as I've said before. Um, but yeah, it, it can maybe mend things with fans a little. There's still fans, to be honest, now that are pissed off that it's taking so long for all of this to happen. I don't know what they want. I don't know what they expect. It, it's not going to be easy like that because you know what will, will happen? We say, okay, a week after, let's say, the season finished, we grab the manager, let's say, Ten Hag, or let's, let's just say Ten Hag. Mm. And Ten Hag came and flopped. People would have been like, Levy, you made the wrong choice. Why would you sow this? Why would you so rash? Why would you... You should have waited a little while. Conte became available. Pochettino wanted to come back. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That's how fans are, isn't it? So me... It's not the timing thing. We've got the Euros coming up as long as it's done before pre-season. It is what it is. As long as he's got time to sort out pre-season, the most important thing for me is the signing of players. We ha- As soon as that man comes in, we have to start attacking the market. Not waiting until the last day and all that rubbish that we do all the time. Get the players out that we need to get out as quick as possible. Try to get them out as quick as possible and bring in recruits in as quick as possible. That is more of an issue than how long the manager is taking. And, and do you think you Tottenham are going to have funds to spend? Obviously with COVID and, you know, you hear about the ramblings with lack of money, uh, loans and all that. Do you think Levy would present Poch if he was made manager with the funds to attack the market and get the players that he wants? I think, I think he has to. I think he has to. I think that's the only way he'll come back. I don't think he's going to ask for ridiculous riches that are unrealistic. I've heard Tottenham have raised 250 million from um, something to do with some rights and some American people or something to do with the club. I ain't an expert on all that stuff. But yeah, I've just saw the figure and said that it's raised and it will help us out a little. So that needs to happen. Um, If Poch comes back, then I think all of that would have been agreed. So I think there'll be a little excitement about Mm what can happen in the transfer window. and Obviously, the, the cloud is Harry Kane, but as I said, what will happen will happen. Um, but it's, it's, it's crazy right now with, with all the changes and all the managers leaving. and um, Lazio now looking for a manager and, and Allegri returning to, to Juve after Allegri was linked with every single job in the last two years. While he was out, Pirlo getting sacked and then just, what, two hours or something later, Allegri gets announced as returning. Allegri comes. I said before Zidane has left Real Madrid, so that post is available. Real Madrid are a team that are broke, but they have the history, they have the name where they could maybe get any manager they want to. still. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I think, um, especially Syria, there's a lot of... I know Mourinho's obviously taken the post at Roma. Um Simone and Zaghi's coming, take over Inter three days after Conte's left because they, you know, 
Inter need to sell £100 million worth of players to kind of balance the books. And Conte wasn't a part of that. It'd be interesting well, to see where Conte goes. Take a pick up, which was uh, for my, yeah, I don't, yes. After winning the Serie A title, wrestling yeah. it off Juventus, who've dominated the league for nine nine mm. years straight, I think that's a bit unfair. And and sorry, can I just um, say on Conte because can I just say on Conte because even Spurs fans seem a lot saying on Twitter, oh like Tottenham fans that don't want like Conte. Who do you think you are and what's wrong with his fan base and. Me, personally, as a manager, he's excellent. He's an unbelievable manager. Mm. He, he, he is a winner. He, he adjusts. He gets his team on board, most of them. And as I say, if you follow him, he's one of the managers. If you listen to him, you follow him, you will be a success. Mm. But his personality is something that I don't know if I want that at Tottenham. Right now, we had that with Mourinho. He's not as bad as Mourinho, but he's just not afraid to talk. He's, he's, which is good in a way. But when you talk about stability and stuff, that's what I think we need. We need just not some madness going on at Tottenham, some merry-go-round and being in the news all the time for stupid yeah. things. Let us just get a manager, him have a contract for four years, knowing that he's likely to stay four years, unless obviously he does absolutely shocking. And Levy pushes the button. Um, but I will take progress, even if it means another two, three years of progress. Conte could come and, and, and maybe scrape us to win a cup or something. But then the next year, he could have a beef with someone at the club and, and he'll be gone. You know what I mean? I, I don't really want that, but yeah. I just want to part of it. I think he's an unbelievable manager. But yeah. I, I was going to say, well, with Conte, you know that high level type of manager with all with how the league is, especially the top teams who've got elite managers like Pep, Klopp, Tuchel. Um, see, I can't put Oli into that conversation because he's not an elite. <laughs> manager. So, I, can't, uh, I can't do it. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great, it was a no, great, was... great player. Listen, Oli, Oli's flopped and I he's, can't see him recovering. He's not at the wheel no more now. He never was at the wheel. I mean, that's it was a myth. No, don't lie. I heard but, you say um, that a couple of times. <laughs> I heard you say that a couple of times. I might have said it to the I might have said it to the kids to get them to sleep, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't... <laughs> he was never at the will. I, I I think United will not go for Conte because the board like it now. Ollie's the yes man. He ain't gonna come and uh, knock on their door and, and complain that he wants this player, that player. He he, he fits the mold. As long as he gets top four for Man United, that according to the board is progress. Winning trophies doesn't come into the equation. I can't hand on heart say that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, for me, is going to win, win a trophy. We should get rid of him. It's time to get rid of him. And if he, if he plays McTominay and Fred uh, beginning the next season, he has to go. But I think the board will keep him. They'll give him funds. Apparently, he's going to sign a new contract. Time will tell. Um, but I just want to f- touch on briefly about um, the merry-go-round as well. Um, Lazio have been linked... Um, with a move for Sarri. Um, I know he's currently um, under contract with Juventus. On um, They're still paying him his wages until he finds a new job. So it likely looks like Sarri might be going to Lazio. Um, so that's going to be interesting next season. A lot of managers changing. And Fonseca's gone to Napoli as well um, after Catuso okay. getting sacked for not getting to the top four. So uh, again, it's going to be quite competitive. Did I hear Gattuso uh, went? Sorry, our next season. Sorry, did I hear Gattuso went? Yeah, um, Gattuso. Gattuso went. Would you go for him too? 
I, I think so. Yeah, I think he's gone yeah, there. He's, so. got a job. Uh, he's found a job quickly. Yeah, yeah. So he's got um, he's got that. That's all kind of secured. Um, but I want to move on and discuss uh, about the championship playoff final between Brentford and Swansea. Congratulations to Brentford. You know, finally, you know, luck on their side, as it were. Now they're in the big time. And apparently, according to statistics, uh, don't quote me on this, but I think they're the, the 50th different team to make it into the Premier League. So it's good to see another <laughs> team like Brentford um, in the Premier League. <laughs> so, yeah, it is what it is. But um, what did you think of? Uh, what do you think about Brentford and their chance of being in the Premier League next season? What would you be staying up? Yeah, surviving. Can they? Can they do it? A lot goes down to the transfer window, to be honest. Is some teams do it, come up with the same group, and they've got good players. Um, they've got good players. So some teams come up with the same group, give their, them guys a chance, give them a bit of trust. And sometimes they can come through, mm. they can scrape and scrape it and, and survive when can happen. The big thing is about a goal scorer. Um, will Ivan Tony yeah. step up at this level? And it's the question that's been asked about. There's enough, man. You can say this about Bamford was was a question that I was doubting, him, to be honest. Um, mm. Ollie Watkins got bought for big money. Um, has done it. There's been players like Dwight Gale, who are the in-between kind of guys. He scores goals in the Prem. Not going to hit over maybe 12, 10 goals. Doesn't play much, to be honest, to even get the chance to do that. But as long as Ivan Tony can get 15 goals, they'll have a chance. It's, then how do they defend, whether they can add in the summer, um, especially defensively, that's where teams need to, that come up, that need to, that they need to work on. If you can, at the top and the base of the pitch, if you can improve them two areas, you can have a chance. They've got these midfielders, Jensen, um, the, the silver guy, I haven't seen him for a while, I don't know if he's injured. Um, yeah. They, they've got well, a couple of decent, back couple of decent wingers as well. Yeah, yeah I think the way Brentford play, um, they're very attacked. I was going to say about uh, Pontus at the back, you know, he used to play for Leeds and uh, oh, yeah, now he's at Brentford. He's quite a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I think for me, it would be key. I mm. think with Tony, I think he's a player. He's in the mould, I think, of a, a Watkins. I mean, listen, Brentford have got have had a conveyor belt of players that have been bought um, from the Championship and gone to the Premier League. So I think Brentford could be equipped yeah. quite well to play in the Premier League. And I think with Tony up front, He's going to get opportunities, and I think he has the ability to kind of take them and still score. So, um, I think Brentford are going to be up there in terms of creating opportunities and scoring a few goals. Whether or not they can stay up, time will tell. Um, but it's it's good to see them. They've got 170 million pounds now for winning the chat, winning the playoffs. So, use that money wisely. Got a new stadium, so they're going to be great in the Premier League. So, uh, congratulations to to Brentford on that. Yeah, it's um, a good look, man. It's good. Making the big time. But um, I just wanted to kind of end things on uh, talking about, uh, you know, before in our, our previous episodes, we were kind of hyping up the Fury versus Joshua fight. Just to put it out there, just to put it out there, just put it out there, we do like to, from time to time, throw in boxing yeah. or, or, or MMA. Um, they ain't going to be huge sections. We might have episodes just on them um, if, if a big event's coming up or something. So, yeah, sorry, go on, continue. Nah, yeah, yeah. Just to kind of continue from what Rem was saying, um, we brought we brought you before, um, you know, that Fury Joshua was kind of made, and 
yeah, we do like to have a, a little time towards the end of our show to kind of talk about other sports, like Rem mentioned. But obviously, this is a big fight, you know, something that could not be mentioned. So, um, obviously, we brought you that we thought the fury of Joshua was likely to be made, the you know, all British undisputed fight. Unfortunately, um, that's now been scrapped because uh, due to Wilder winning on the arbitration with the courts, it's now now we're getting the Fury versus Wilder three um, on the 24th of July, um, which I think is kind of a pity because the last two fights between Wilder and Fury have been quite conclusive in where we've you know Fury's been the better man. I personally think the third fight's you know it's kind of a nothing fight. I kind of see it going the same way. They both have been inactive. But I really wanted to kind of dis- discuss where I feel the, the breakdown of the Fury-Joshua fight really happened. Um, I really had the blame for me kind of lays on Fury's team and Bob Barham. I mean, Bob Barham is, a, is, is Fury's promoter, but he's also a lawyer. And he kind of, you know, Eddie Hearn has gone over and beyond to try and make this fight. Um, going over to, to Saudi Arabia to kind of get the site, pay the site fees, kind of able to get the, the, the opportunity for this the massive fight to happen. And Bob Arum kind of almost said that, you know, throughout the whole process said that this arbitration court order, court order was never going to be a problem. Even though, I don't know if many people know that, but Bob Arum's also a lawyer as well. So he knows um, from his experience and expertise that, you know, I always felt that they knew that, that there was a, an opportunity that Wilder was going to win this. But my problem is, is that how quickly that, once the, the, the news broke, how quickly they signed that fight. It's almost like they knew that this fight was always going to happen and this Fury-Joshua fight was never going to be made because they didn't think that Eddie Hearn was going to deliver the fight. And he did deliver. And I think it, the real losers for me, in my opinion, are the fans because we've already seen Wilder versus Fury. We really wanted to see Fury versus Anthony Joshua. And I think as a boxing fan, and I know Remy yourself, you want to kind of see an undisputed fight for all the titles, all the belts, to kind of find out who conclusively is the number one heavyweight in that division. Um, but Rem, I want to ask you, you know, um, about this about this third fight. Um, how do you see it going? Well, it's, it's it's too early to say now, but yeah, you would expect it to go the same way. I I just don't think that Wilder can learn what he needs to learn after all these years. Is he going to learn it in sit a couple months time, a few weeks time to to learn mm. to deliver and fight? On the inside, he, he he cannot do that. He's got no ability to box like that. Um, yeah. He he lands that punch. He has done it. He's won forty odd wins. Um, and there's just one man he hasn't, well, two men he hasn't knocked out. Obviously, Fury and uh, was it the first fight, Mister Van? If I'm uh, correct, yeah, went twelve rounds. Yeah, yeah. He's just I I just don't know if he can improve the the fundamentals of his game. He has no jab. He's a long guy. Okay, height-wise, there is no one's really gaining on this. Um, but length-wise, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> I'm sure his reach must be near his furies. Um, mm. But he doesn't have a jab. And the jab is the most important bunch to me in, in combat sport. And if you don't have it, you just can't, you can't keep people away. You can't set things up and, you can't pace yourself in the fight either. And I, I, as I said, I don't think you can learn them fundamentals in that short space of time to beat someone like Fury who has the capabilities to do kind of everything. I I questioned his fighting Mm. on the inside, Fury. A big guy like that, do you know what I mean? 
Um, but he doesn't need to be great at inside fighting against Wilder like he showed in the second fight. He can just get close to him because if you're that if you're chest tight with Wilder, he 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 doesn't know how to fight. His thing is is catching you on the end of that right hand. And if he can't do that, he doesn't he can't duck punches and go to the body and and, and as I said inside fight he, he can't do that. So does he have a chance he has that right hand? Can he land it on Fury? Listen, he landed it in the first fight. That was Fury's first big fight in years. Coming off the couch, he was big as anything. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, <clears throat> to me, it's not. Uh, I, I I can't see anything different happening in this fight. Um, look, it is what it is. At the end of the day, Wilder had the right to make this happen. I think he def- he didn't make it happen. People would have had no respect for him. He's got nothing to lose now. Nothing. You know what I mean? He's got yeah. embarrassed the second time, even though he's tr- and he embarrassed himself, to be honest, with all the rubbish he was talking after the fight and sacking his coach for them reasons. And maybe switching up mm. camps and stuff would be a good thing for him in the end. But it's about his is is um is how humble he is. We'll we'll find out because he doesn't have to win the third fight, but if we could just see, do you know what I mean, some changes in him, it would show that he's humble mm. enough to listen to somebody else. But if he steps in that ring and he goes back to just Wilder controlling him, he needs someone to basically be that that pad, that that the mm. Xbox or do you know what I mean? To his, let his yeah. coach control him. Just similar to what um Andre Ward, what's Andre Ward's coach again? Um What's his name? Uh, the, the Hunter. Is it not Hunter? F- the, Virgil Hunter. Yeah, Virgil, Virgil Hunter. Hunter yeah, Hunter. Very. He, he, when he had Amir Khan for a little spell, that's how he treated Amir Khan. He took Amir Khan out of his own head because we know what Amir Khan would get like. And he just mm. spoke to him throughout the whole fight and controlled him, basically. Doesn't always work. And it's, it, it can work in one or two fights, but over time, them guys will just go back to the default. And if Wilder has a coach who can show some good stuff, he'll maybe come out of this third fight and regain respect from boxing fans because I think the way he lost and the way he dealt with the loss, everyone lost respect for him. Um, I know last time we spoke, but you didn't get to have your point on it. Um, So I'll let you talk us out from here. Um, So have your piece and then... Yeah, we'll end up. So. Yeah, um, I mean the the third fight for me is not not something that I would want to see. I mean, I do question Fury and his team. I mean, I personally would have paid the step aside money, twenty million pounds, to step aside and get this fight on between AJ and Fury. There was no attempts to get that done. I can't see what Wilder can do to improve. Um, if he does get a coach, and I think he's too long long in the long in the game now to make improvement adjustments. He's never really had to make any adjustments because he's knocking people out. And finally, mm-hmm. he came across Fury in the first fight, who's been off for three years, you know, with all the on-off personal problems he's had. And he produced a performance like he did, outclassed him. And in the second fight, really, Fury just fought with fire with fire and, and knocked him out. Um, I can't see where Wilder can make those adjustments. And another thing to play into consideration now is that inactivity. These two both fought last February, 
just before the pandemic. And obviously everyone's gone through the pandemic, the COVID situation, and there's how boxing has now been having to integrate to the new way of boxing with limited crowds. Hopefully when they do fight, they're going to allow fans back in. Um, I don't know if they've uh, um, arranged the, the actual place where they're going to fight. Uh, potentially, I think it's going to be the new stadium in um, um, Las Vegas. Um, okay. the stadium, which is quite nice. Kind of nice stadium. The Raiders. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah, the Ranger Stadium. Yeah, so very nice stadium. Um, so it'll be a, it'll be a big turnout, but I expect the same. I just hope that Fury will be able to concentrate now, and kind of because you, you can't get complacent. You know, you've beaten him twice. You got an opportunity to beat him a third time. Just stay focused. But Fury's so varied in what in his in his arsenal, whether he'll outbox him or you know he'll trade him. But with with um his trainer from the Kronk's gym, you know, kind of trying to add that power to the to him because obviously Fury's not been known for a power puncher. He's always kind of a, a feather hit, a light, a light hitter, but his movement and his his head movement and his, his foot movement is exceptional. So I think Fury's got a lot in his repertoire to kind of beat Wilder and I expect it to be the same. I think it might go 12 rounds. You know, I think the pace of the, the fight is going to be very interesting. I expect Fury to dictate it. Um but personally, for me, I'm not really looking forward to this fight. I think it's a shame that we, we're missing out on this Fury versus Josh because it's a different type of fight. Uh, Joshua kind of poses different questions to what Wilder poses. And I really want to see an undisputed fight. So hopefully, you know, Wilder, uh, Wilder Fury, you know, Fury does kind of dispose of Wilder. And then we finally get an opportunity to see that fight. I'm hearing about December. That's if Joshua gets rid of his mandatory, which is Alexander Usyk. And that's not easy. And, no, you know, I don't. I don't think. Usyk, I don't so. think he's going to pick Usyk. To be honest, I'm, I'm hearing yeah. that they're yeah. trying that I mean, it doesn't have to be Usyk, and he's trying. Yeah. They're trying to pick between White and Ruiz, and I, I think they want any other fight apart from Usyk. I, I generally believe they want I, I any think other Joshua, fight. I think Joshua needs to. I think he needs to fight Usyk. I think for a reputation's sake to ask all the questions because I'm still there's still a question mark about Usyk at, at heavyweight cruiserweight he was, un, he was, he was untouchable um, there's a question mark and I think Joshua needs to, to fight him to kind of solve that because I think the, the fight with Tazora was, um, was a lot closer than a lot of people anticipated and there's a lot of questions mark of whether or not can Usyk handle the heavyweights the pace and the, and the power that it comes with it so but Usyk you know from a boxing perspective very slick boxer, very intelligent, and he'll pose a lot of questions to Anthony Joshua and whether or not Anthony Joshua wants that type of fight, uh, time will tell. But like I said, hopefully we, we do get an undisputed fight. I Hopefully we do get to see Joshua and Fury in the future, but this is the, this is the way it is at the moment. But I just want to say thank you to, to Rem for, uh, for this episode. I know we've talked a lot about in this episode, obviously, the, the finals, um, the Champions League and the Europa League. I know I'm bitterly disappointed with the way things turned out in the Europa League, but I just want to say, uh, <laughs> give it a rest, mate. Yeah, you know, like, it, it is what it is. Yeah, you get over it, mate. Uh, you get over it, yeah, you know what I mean? So, got the Euros to look forward to, but we'll be back next week with another episode. Um, so, I just want to say thank you to you all for listening, and um, we'll see you next week. Take care.